As we read about the the birth of Jesus, it's not very peaceful out there, is it? (laughs) The wind and the rain are pounding. Uh, It's probably not what you think of when you think of the word peace. Probably beaches, right? Gentle rolling waves maybe. Uh, A lounge chair, a nice drink. That's peace, isn't it? Uh, That's what peace is. And we long for peace in this life, don't we? And yet, we know that the storms come. As much as we long for peace, the storms continually come. And especially this time of year when we can, when we can sit back and reflect back on the year previously uh, that's just almost passed, there was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of storm uh, in this year for a lot of people. It was difficult. And perhaps for you, you are longing for some kind of reprieve, some kind of rest, some kind of peace, to feel as though, you know, we can catch our breath or just give me a moment here to at least have some rest and peace. And as I think about it, that's one of the reasons, that longing is one of the reasons that Christmas can be at the same time both really good and really terrible. Of course, we know that the world around us, the things of the world are, uh, that promise peace are ultimately counterfeits. We, we know that, that, that they don't really deliver the peace that they promise. Uh, we, we know that there are wars and there's weather and destruction. We know there's cancer and all these other things, and there's nothing peaceful about that. But even Christmas can get hijacked, can't it? It can get hijacked by the the materialism that we see around us, the focus and the pace that sees so many of us just rushing around. And listen, more than any, perhaps more than at any other time of the year, we need peace, don't we? We need peace that only God can bring. And see, this is why Christmas is wonderful, that if we have the eyes to see it, the God of Christmas offers us true peace. It's true peace because it is lasting peace because it is built on someone who, though he came to this world, at the same time transcended this world. God, the author and giver of peace, has offered us peace by offering himself. And it was bookended By humility, the manger, a lowly birth, attended by lowly people to the cross, a humiliating, lowly death, all to bring peace. As we consider the announcement made in Luke 2 today, I just want us to think briefly about what is on offer to us if we have the eyes to see it, if we will receive it, and how we can go about doing that. After the birth of Jesus is recorded in the first seven verses, we read of this announcement that comes to some humble shepherds who are watching their sheep, probably sheep that are destined for sacrificial use in the temple. And as they watch, an angel of the Lord appears to them. Now this could have been God himself, as he often represents himself to humans uh, in uh, the Old, Old Testament. But they are frightened. We see it repeated twice. They have this great fear at this thing that they are 
witnessing. As the glory of the Lord shines, radiates around them. But then in verse 10, the angel makes an announcement, which he calls good news. He tells them that this, that this message of good news is going to cause great joy to come to all people. Now, in Luke's gospel account, at this particular stage, all people probably means all people in Israel. But by the end of the gospel, by the end of Luke's account, we see that this message that was delivered is for everyone. It's for the nations. It's for Americans. It's for Irish. It's for Polish. It's, it's for everyone to receive the news of this Savior. And so in verse 11, here's the announcement. Let's just unpack it maybe the way that a, a journalist would, would unpack it. We, we have the, the when in verse 11. For unto you is born this day. Something's happened today that is going to change things from this point forward. We, we know in other parts of, of Scripture, Paul tells us that at just the right time, that all these things happened in accordance with God's sovereign plan. And the time was now for God to do what God was going to do. And so the angel says, this day, today, today. Where? In Bethlehem, in the city of David. This insignificant little spot on the globe. This very significant event is going to take place. The fulfillment of prophecy and the words of those that have gone before. It's fitting because this Savior of whom the angels speak is going to benefit all people. Even the insignificant ones. These lowly shepherds. These pagan wise men. They're going to come and seek out this child. Jesus isn't just a Savior for the posh. He's a Savior for the poor. He's a savior for the marginalized. He's a savior for the foreigner. He's a savior for everyone. What an incredible thing that he's born in this insignificant little town. Well, what do they say has happened? They say that a savior has been born. Not only that, I mean, just think about it. A savior, the one who is going to save the world, has been born. He, he is this little helpless infant lying in a feeding trough. This is the rescuer. This is the one uh, who has been sent by God to deliver his people, both physically and spiritually. This is the horn of salvation that's been sent by God to save. This is the future mighty king of the universe that is going to come and reign supreme over all things. He has been born this day in Bethlehem. He's further described as the Messiah and the Lord. As Messiah, images of the kingly deliverer are bound up. He's the, the Davidic king that was promised. He's the Christ. And, and Luke tips his hand a bit here. Luke knows the divinity of Jesus. He's writing his gospel account after the resurrection. He knows the, the way the story ends. But he's not like John. See, in John's gospel, John tells us from the very beginning that Jesus is divine. Luke, on the other hand, 
lets Jesus' divinity unfold as we move throughout the book. But here, in this little word, Lord, Luke tips his hand. This is the divine name. Luke is telling us that in this baby, sovereign deity resides. Luke's going to use the term later in that same sense. This is God incarnate. This is God in a manger. And finally, we see the why or the so what. A company of angels join in. And they tell the shepherds that the birth of this baby will result in glory to God and peace to human beings. It's the reality of this baby's true identity that helps us see how a mere infant can possibly bring this glory and peace that the angels announce in verse 14. This infant can deliver God's glory and God's peace because he is the very outshining of God's glorious love. Consider that back in verse 9, God's glory is pictured as radiant light as the angels surround the glory of the Lord shone around them. The light radiates out from them. God's glory is like that. God's glory is not a black hole that sucks in everything around it. In which he, God is not a God that, 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 that hoards a claim or that makes everything about himself. God is not a taking God. His glory is outshining. It radiates out from him because his love moves out from him. And in the birth of this baby, God's love is on display. He is a loving father, always has been. As Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, there was never a time when God was not loving another. Jonathan Edwards said that the glory of God is the radiance of his love shining out for all to see. And a little bit later in our Bibles in Hebrews chapter 1, we see the author there describe Jesus as the outshining radiance of God, that he is the divine Lord who pictures, images to us what God is like. And as such, he is able to bring about true peace. True well-being comes from God, who is peace. Now, listen, don't miss this. True peace cannot be separated from God's glory because true peace only comes from him. See, we can't separate what these angels put together. Glory to God, peace to men is a package deal. You can't have peace without Jesus. You can't piece together a string of counterfeits thinking that they will bring you the peace that you so desperately seek. True peace, true well-being in your soul, true joyful tranquility in spite of what is going on around us only comes from the God who is peace through God the Son, Jesus, that baby in the manger. 
If you want peace to reign in your life, then God must reign in your life. That's the deal. John Piper said, his purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. The two go together. The two go together. God is glorified by being for us exactly what we need and what we cannot find anywhere else. And it all comes together in that baby in the manger. So if we want peace, we must take the child that was sent to secure it. That's what the shepherds do. Verses 15 and 16 here. Let us go. Let us see. And so they hurried off to see this one of whom the angels spoke. They left everything to find this one who could secure peace. And what a peace it is, right? It's a vertical peace. There's rest in God because this baby would one day die. And in dying would end the hostility between us and God. Bringing reconciliation by being for us that sacrificial lamb. We are declared innocent because this one took on our penalty. Nothing we could do could accomplish this. We only obtain it by faith. And there's horizontal peace. There's healing in relationships. It's possible because of him. And so we can pursue peace with our brothers and sisters where there is a broken relationship. We can pursue peace as far as it depends on us because of what Christ has done in the gospel. And we can have inner peace. That feeling of tranquility, that feeling of rest, that feeling where you can sit and go, you know that feeling. Because all of us long for that feeling. But we only get it through Christ. We only get it as he reigns in us. Amidst the anxiety we feel, the tension that we wrestle with internally, God offers us peace. And the glue that holds God's glory and our peace together is believing, trusting in the promises of God that are fulfilled in Jesus. It's as we trust in him that we have peace. And see, this is where the deal gets limited. There is a, an offering of a gift on the table. And we can look at it and we can stare at it. We can reach out. We can touch it with our finger. But until we receive it through faith, we don't realize it. We don't enjoy it. And so as we close today, I just wonder if this Christmas will be any different for you. Maybe Christmas for you is just a thing that you do because everyone around you is doing it. And maybe this Christmas would be the Christmas where you see the gift on offer, the gift of life, the gift of peace, and you reach out and take it through faith. Maybe 
there's a sense of turmoil in your heart. And there are things that you need to let go of in order to allow Christ to reign in your life. And maybe today would be the day that you would let go of those things and trust in that baby in a manger. Maybe today you would just celebrate the fact that in the midst of the storms, Jesus offers peace, that he is with you, and that he will get you through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And as we think about the storms, even as we leave this room today, there are things that we will leave, that we will face when we leave, that will shake us, that will disrupt that sense of tranquility, that will seek to undermine the joy that we know we have in Christ. And I pray, Father, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would help us to persevere in obedience to you, even when it costs us, even when it's difficult, that you would help us, Father, to follow more closely our Savior, Jesus. Thank you that we can step back and we can pause and we can remember that there is good news and that you have made promises to us and that you are good for them. Help us to follow more closely. In Jesus' name, amen.